Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Coach Chris Mooney, live from Glory Days Grill in the Glen Eagle Shopping Center, 10466 Ridgefield Parkway in the West End. Tonight's show is brought to you by... CarMax, Virginia Birth Father Registry, Glory Days Grill, and Lux Chevrolet. Spider Talk is on the air. Join in online by text at 804-638-9508, by email spidertalk at richmond.edu, or on Twitter using at ESPN Richmond or at Spider Voice. Now to Golden underneath the basket to KO reverse. Layup too strong, no good. Got his own offensive rebound. Off the Blake Francis who buries the three and one right in front of the BCU bench. Blake Francis for three and maybe four. Big time shot by Blake Francis. A foul by Santos Silva right in front of the VCU bench. What a shot. Now live, here's the voice of the Spiders, Bob Black, and head coach, Chris Mooney. This is Spider Talk on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. And the Spider Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. The uh, best part of that play-by-play soundbite wasn't the call of yours truly and Greg Beckwith. It was the crowd noise in the background. And I shouldn't even say the background. It was in the foreground by the time it was done. So terrific job by the Spider Faithful on a wonderful Saturday afternoon at the Robbins Center and the victory over VCU, 77-59 that headlines our Spider Talk with Spider Head Coach Chris Mooney. Fans are still cheering 48 hours later, Chris, and well, they should. Congrats on a great victory. Welcome to the program, everybody. Packed house today at Glory Days here on the West End. Wherever you may be in the restaurant, we thank you for coming. We know a lot of you are sitting a little bit ways away. Remember, you can tune those speakers to Channel 3, and you'll be able to hear the show as well. So we do appreciate everyone who's in the house, and it is a packed house just like it was a packed Robin Center on Saturday afternoon. Congratulations, Chris. Thank you, Bob. I really appreciate it. Um, let me see if I can frame this properly because I don't want to say it was easy, but how much less difficult was it in a game of that magnitude to build the lead early and make them chase the rest of the way? Maybe less tense if you – I think when it got to like 26-13, there, Nick hit the, the three and they called timeout. There was a pretty good feeling at that point that they were going to chase the rest of the afternoon. Not that they were not going to catch, that you still had to have effort – but that it was maybe a little bit less tense and difficult than when the game tipped off. Yeah, for sure. I think that obviously when you go in, you'd like to get a great start in every game. Um, uh, but when you go into a game like that, you know, there's a lot of um, excitement and enthusiasm and tension and anxiety surrounding that game. Um, and so to get off to such a great start, obviously Nick hitting the threes early, um, our defense was really, really good early and throughout. But when you get off to that good start, it does. It kind of it, it turns the energy into into something very positive, so that guys come into the game, 
and who who are subbing in and are and are really revved up and uh, the guys who are in there everything's all that energy and that anxiety goes to really really positive and you know the opposite of panicking or you know uh, feeling frustrated you know really the opposite and I think that was great you know to have that start uh, and then it really did kind of continue throughout the game uh, I thought our defense was was tremendous I thought we were I thought we were good on offense and we were very aggressive uh, but I thought our defense was tremendous that's the fourth straight game the spider defense has been solid lockdown uh, terrific airtight on the defensive side how much was that building from the previous three games to what was certainly a, a better team in game four and a bigger game against VCU yeah you know I had mentioned to you that after uh, we played uh, the Dayton and VCU games we you know we gave up a lot of points in those games but we actually pulled about 20 25 clips of really good defense from those games uh, you know some of the other teams scored of course but really really good defense and uh, we showed that before the GW game uh, as we were preparing just to say look we're really really close we're re really close and uh, if we can just shore up a couple of things you know whether it be a position thing here or there uh, an aggressiveness thing um, a little bit of you know there's so much gray area in basketball you know who, who you're guarding at that moment how fast they are, did they make their previous shot, all those things. Uh, and we just wanted to sh make as things as black and white as we could. Uh, and I thought from that, we were, we were really good. We had a good day of practice, and since then, uh, our, our defense has, has taken another step. I thought it, was, it was, had been good, and it's taken another step, and that's four straight games, as you said, where it's been, you know, the numbers bear it out that it's been excellent. Uh, and just watching and the feeling that we have, I think it's been really, really good. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that you pulled out the positive clips yeah. even after a couple of negative kind of games defensively. Yeah. Uh, this is totally hypothetical. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. It probably doesn't matter. With a younger team, would you perhaps go on the other route and said, let me show you some plays where we didn't do so well, and then we'll go out on the court and correct them? Yeah, probably. And I think – and that doesn't mean we won't show negative clips, you know, moving forward. It just – when we were watching those games, uh, you know, the things that we had prepared for, um, we we executed really well and, and not – quite well enough but really well for the most part uh and in those games you know those two teams really made shots and they made some hard shots which good players do uh but again it, it just felt like you know wow we're you know maybe the first um 15 seconds of the possession were were great and it just needs to be a, f a few more seconds or you know all of those kinds of things and so uh i i do think that you know grant has taken a, a huge leap defensively which is really impressive for someone who's had so much success and is such a, you know, so big and, um, you know, and so good at other things for him to, to be able to, you know, be honest with himself, to lock in, to improve is impressive. Blake really gives us an extra, um, you know, an extra tough on-ball defender. And then, of course, we have some other guys who really come in and, and can help us on that. And Nathan Ko has become a really, really good defender. So, there are some really good pieces that are that are playing well together, and as the season goes on, you know we keep reminding our guys, you know, uh, don't tell yourself that the season's long. Don't tell yourself that uh, it's monotonous. You know, embrace that. I think Kendall Anthony was the best we ever had at really embracing that um, monotony and and liking the repetition and and kind of craving it almost uh, because that's what helps you to become a better and better player. Hmm. Uh, text us if you've got questions, 638-9508. Email us, spidertalk at richmond.edu. You can tweet at us, 
at ESPN Richmond, at Spider Voice. If you've got questions in the restaurant, bring them up to us, scribble them down the old-fashioned way, and we'll be glad to get to them. A little bit later in the show, Nick Sherrod is our special player guest. He'll be here in the middle couple of segments coming off of a great game with the five three-pointers and 23 points. Um, Chris, they made a couple changes in their starting lineup. I think it was relatively late. Maybe you guys knew it was coming. We knew about an hour or so before the game that uh, Marcus Evans wasn't going to start. Highland would start for him, and that Vince Williams was going to start, and Douglas wasn't going to start. Did you have to make any last-minute adjustments personnel-wise because of their changes to their starting lineup? Well, we anticipated um, we anticipated that Vince Williams might start. He had play, played well against George Mason, um, and George Mason pressed a little bit, and when he was in the game, you know, even though he plays the four or the power forward, He's very comfortable in the perimeter and, and, and moved well and played very well. So we kind of anticipated that one um, uh, and didn't know necessarily. You know, you know one thing, I, I think there, there's so many positives to the way they play. And they play a lot of guys and they come in in waves and they kind of play, you know, three-minute spurts. Um, and, of course, when you're, you know, when you're pressing every possession, there's, there's something about coming in and out of the game. Um, so we, we really prepared, obviously, for Highland a lot because he, he, he made so many shots against us uh, downtown, uh, and we really wanted to be, be aware of, of his, really his willingness to take so many hard, long shots. So we kind of, even though we didn't prepare from the start, we prepared for him a lot because of that willingness and ability to hit such long shots. All right, I uh, mentioned Nick Sherrod will be our guest, and we'll certainly uh, dive into this with him as well. But uh, what do you think happened with Nick Sherrod and how he broke out of the shooting slump, at, if you want to call it that, at just the right time in that game, local kid against the Crosstown rival, to have that kind of performance? Well, you know, um, again, I, I think I, I, I really very worry very little about Nick because he's really, you know, he's an extremely hard worker. He's very professional in his approach. Um, you know, he's... He's always getting extra shots. He's always, you know, his workout is 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 detailed and it's it's pretty exact and very familiar. Um, so I, I do think that uh, you know this game obviously means a lot more uh, a lot to everybody and um, he's been around it for so long. Um, so I, I think that the biggest thing we preached was being aggressive and we wanted to be aggressive and I think partly we had a fair, fairly high number of turnovers for us was was a byproduct of that just being very very aggressive and i think nick you know he really took that to heart and uh i think that that was the way he was going to lead you know and uh happened to come in the form of you know making those early shots and from then on i thought he was i thought he was tremendous uh so is this the way you would like to see richmond basketball look i mean for one day on a national stage obviously it's tremendous but is this kind of the look that you would like to envision for Richmond basketball. In, in what sense? I guess in the way we played both offensively yeah. and defensively. Yeah. Not necessarily the final score, sure. but you would love that every yeah, night. Right. To win every game by 18 would be, would be great, <laughs> but just the way it came about. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, uh, so what we were, somebody told me the other day, so if I'm, if I'm wrong on this, it's not my fault. It's Will Gipe's fault, but <laughs> that I think we have the fastest pace of play in the A-10. And uh, now, of course, 15 years ago, you, you would not have believed that. But... Um, and, you know, we're not necessarily trying to play fast or trying to play slow. I think we're trying to play how each possession presents itself. Um, and I think probably the steals that we get probably really help minimize the, the other Jacob teams. Jacob Gilliard like factor Yeah, exactly. Here. That's, yeah, pretty, that's pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, you know, as you know, we have good players and the openings within our offense show up earlier than they would have maybe on a 
time when we're younger, we're not quite as talented, and I think those openings show up, and we can we have guys who can exploit those openings earlier in the possession. Hey, how much, uh, you know, there was another game last week that was always just about forgotten in this whole thing. That was the game at LaSalle. That's another road win for the Spiders and such a dominant victory there. Chris, how significant was that in preparing for VCU, both mentally and physically? I mean, everybody obviously was in a good frame of mind out of that game. Everybody got to play. And most significantly, the guys who play a lot didn't play a lot. I don't think anybody played more than 28. Even Jacob didn't play over 30 minutes in that game to to give you kind of fresh mind and fresh legs. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think, uh, one, it was very unexpected. I think to go on the road, um, you know, having played Blaine LaSalle the second time, they had come off of a big win against St. Joe's. Uh, And so it was unexpected to have – you know, we expected to go up and play well, but to have that big of a lead so early, I think that's what it wasn't the kind of thing where it, it grew to the, the, the margin of victory. It was really that um, it was that high of a of that big of a margin really early in the second half. And so it was unexpected. And then I do think that was really valuable for us because, you know, we got home very late on on um, early Thursday morning around 2 a.m., and to have had guys not have to play all that much, that was really positive. And we had a, a great practice on Thursday. And our practices on Thursday are late. Uh, the women go early on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we go late. And it's really late now because of a particular class schedule. So, uh, you know, to have a late night from a game, then a very late practice, for it to be as good as it was, you know, made us feel even more confident as coaches. Hey, let's finish up this segment. Um, Nick's here. We'll get to him in just a moment. Kind of the way we opened it, and we'll talk with him about feeding off the emotion of the home crowd. How about his coaches? I mean, how much do you sense what's in the building, and do you use it all in your coaching strategy during the course of the game? Well, um, I don't necessarily know if we do that consciously, but I think we were, you know, it was an incredible crowd. I mean, the it was great third straight sellout and uh, just a great crowd. The students were there extremely early. Um, it just felt it felt great, you know. And uh, I think the guys obviously really feed off of it. You know, we we try to not have too many, um, you know, uh, choreographed high fives and uh, Nick would know the bow and arrow three point shot celebration. <laughs> we really try not to have too much of that. Uh, but you know, with, with with such a such a big game and a great crowd, obviously there's something that's going to happen like that. Uh, so I, I thought it was great. I thought the uh, the crowd and the was incredible, really incredible. And I know for sure the guys fed off of that. And it was quite a contrast to the previous two games. Also, yeah. I mean, not only were you on the road, but you were in the two smallest, most antiquated gyms in the entire league to have to play games at Fordham. And at LaSalle, and then come back to what you came back yeah. with. Well, Fordham actually, there were there, there was were a, people. There were I know, people. I know, there were. No, at LaSalle, there was. It was. It was not as. It was not as full as <laughs> as you would have hoped, for sure. All right, uh, Nick's here, patiently waiting. Let's get to him. We'll take a break. Nick Sherrod, leading scorer, twenty three points. The hometown guy will join us next on Spider Talk from Glory Days on the home of the Spiders, ESPN Richmond. This is the Spider Sports Network. 
for all things spiders. Whether you're online, on your phone, or just on the go, it's RichmondSpiders.com. Scores, stats, standings, it's RichmondSpiders.com. Video highlights, audio play-by-play, and online ticketing for football and men's basketball, it's RichmondSpiders.com. Plus, exclusive content you won't get anywhere else, like the Spider Insight Podcast, Spider Voices, and game day info for Robin Stadium and the Robin Center. It's your home for your favorite team. It's RichmondSpiders.com. Lux Chevrolet has been the Chevy truck expert since 1916, and they've got something for everyone. There's economical SUVs like Trax and Equinox, people haulers like Traverse, Tahoe, and Suburban, and pickups like the mid-size Colorado to the one-ton Silverado. Let Luck find the right fit for your job or lifestyle. Call them at 804-798-9261. Shop online at LuxChevrolet.com or stop by their convenient lot on U.S. Route 1 in Ashland and buy your next truck from Luck. Lux Chevrolet since 1916. Spider fans, don't miss the final Saturday game of the season at the Robin Center when your Richmond Spiders take on UMass on Saturday, February 29th. Tip off at 6 p.m. Come early for the last Spider Brews event of the season with packages including your game ticket and pre-game craft beer tasting with five local breweries and restaurants. It's also the final Buffalo Wild Wings Spiderlings Kids Club game with post-game player autographs for all members. For hoops and hops, call 1-877-SPIDER-1 or visit richmondspiders.com. We've got College Hoops Talk every Friday afternoon from World of Beer and Short Pump. Lexus of Richmond presents the Basketball Show at 5 on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. The timeout's over. Time to talk more Richmond basketball. This is Spider Talk with Coach Chris Mooney from Glory Days Grill in the Glen Eagle Shopping Center and live on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. This is the Spider Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Francis drives underneath the basket, finds Golden. Grant left of the lane to an open Nick Sherrod. Top of the key. He bags another one. And he smiles from ear to ear. Nick Shiraz for three-pointer. Great find again by Goat. Spot up by Nick Sherrod hitting that three. He is filling it this afternoon. His hand is hot. Keep finding him right now if you're the Richmond Spiders. And we have found Nick Sherrod. He's at the head table with us as Spider Talk with head coach Chris Moody. Continues on a Monday night. We'll be here every Monday night the rest of the college basketball season from 5.30 to 6.30. So if you didn't make it out tonight, we hope you'll take an opportunity to join us at Glory Days Grill in the Glen Eagle Shopping Center on Richmond's West End. And, of course, tune us in on 99.5-1027 FM, 9.50 AM ESPN. Nick went 9 of 15, 5 of 7 from 3. Also had 8 rebounds, a couple of steals in 31 brilliant minutes against the VCU Rams, the crosstown rival, the hometown rival for Nick Sherrod, who is a Richmond guy. And so certainly that had an impact on this as well. Nick, thanks for spending some time with us. Hope you've had an enjoyable 24 hours or so before getting back at it after the VCU win. How's it been? Uh, it's been good. Uh, been a little a little bit overwhelming. But uh, I'm just glad everybody's excited about the game and excited about how it went. It's always good to have the support, especially uh, three straight sellouts. The crowd's been really awesome. And for us to come out and play with that, it's, it's been really cool. You know, any three that a player makes always feels good. I get that. But the highlight that we played was a three that forced a timeout from the opposition. Is there even a better feeling 
when that happens, when you make a three like that, whether it's VCU or LaSalle, to force the other team to have to call a timeout. Yeah, that means we're playing well and we have good momentum. And at that point, I think we took a 13-point lead. So uh, we always talk about trying to get them to call the first timeout. We want start to start the game off well. Uh, we want to snag the momentum, especially at home especially considering how the game went last time. We wanted to come out and play a lot better than we did. And for the start to go the way it did, it felt really good. Uh, just to know that we had that momentum, it, was, it gave us a good start for us the game. And how different was it mentally to know you had that kind of lead and they were going to have to chase us this time as opposed to us chasing them that we did last time? Yeah, uh, especially at home. Anytime you get a, a big lead, the crowd was uh, on fire um, on Saturday and they really uh, gave us a lot of energy. And uh, to get that start, we knew that we were, they were going to be on their heels the rest of the game. I think having Blake back out there helped us a lot, especially with the press and the ball handling and stuff like that. But we were all a lot more confident going into the game. We knew that we had to be a lot tougher. Um, so I think the start just showed that. Um, on our post-game show, you explained to us, and I know you did later to the rest of the media, that you were in, to use your words, a sour mood since the first VCU game. <laughs> Coach, did you notice that Nick was in a sour mood since the first VCU game? First and foremost, first and foremost he's ex- an extremely hard worker. Uh Sometimes he doesn't speak a lot during the course of practice, which we're trying, we're working on. But uh, he's definitely, you know, he's, he's demanding of himself. And so I think that, um, you know, he just, he wants to play very well, has a high, high expectation. And, um, you know, I think that's good. I think that's good to be in a, if, you're, if it's a sour mood because you feel like you're going to be playing better, that probably means you will play better. All right, so explain it to us, Nick. To you, what did sour mood mean after the VCU game, and what were the type of things you were doing to snap out of that sour mood, which obviously happened Saturday afternoon? Um, I think just for me, I, I hate to use this word, but I feel like I was a little bit embarrassed about how the game went the first time we played them. Uh, I just feel like we uh, we let one get away. I kind of look forward to games where I think people probably are going to question our toughness and people are going to question our ability to uh, play in those environments. So uh, games like that, like St. Louis, like Rhode Island, those games mean a lot to me because I feel like people don't think we're that tough and when we have a chance to go show people that we are it's a big opportunity especially at BCU and I feel like we we left them on the table we feel like we're the better team I don't think we approached the game the right way and I think that uh, sometimes when you're playing well you kind of expect to just roll the ball in the court and it to go the way you want it to go um, and it didn't that game and I feel felt like for me uh, as somebody who's played in that game a lot and has played a lot of minutes it's just to, for the game to happen like that and for me to play like that it was it was pretty disappointing um, so I, I just, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily change anything. I just was really looking forward to this game. Obviously, there was a lot of other games in between that, and it was important that we won that. But I think for me personally, I just wanted to right or wrong, I guess, because I feel like uh, that game was important um, the first time, and it was even more important the second time. I just didn't want to make sure that that game didn't happen the way it happened the first time. When you just said, I didn't change anything, I think Chris and I both nodded our heads because you even made the comment, I think, on the post game that there's no way Nick Sherrod can get any more prep shots up because he already takes so many uh, prep shots so physically he wasn't doing any more between VCU game one and VCU game two yeah and I think I've told our guys this uh, for years and years I can remember telling Dan Giroux and Kevin Smith and Justin you know when you get old enough to be a really good player you know you're a really really good player that's going to play 30 minutes in the game uh, that you're, for the most part, if you if your concentration is high and your effort is good, uh, you're going to play a good game. You know, it would be hard to just play a terrible game. And the difference is going to be how many shots you make. You know, if your shots went in, it's a great game. You know, if your shots didn't go in, then you still played well and you did a lot of things to help. And I think, you know, Nick certainly 
has been at that point for a while. Uh, you know, the, the trick is that one of his greatest assets is his ability to score uh, and shoot the ball. And so I, I do think that he, he works very hard and he's, you know, he, you know, nothing, nothing really changes, you know, whether, whether he's disappointed in how he's playing or he didn't make shots, that's one thing, but his, his attention to detail and how he works at it is excellent. And so that's how, you know, it in the long run or in the, in the, in the big picture, things are going to be, things are going to work out very well for him. Does anything change, Nick? When, are you one of those shooters when you make that first shot? That things change like a like a hitter who gets that first hit in the first at bat goes on and goes four for four. In your case, does making the first one change anything for you? Um, yeah, I think so. I think that uh, me and Jacob, especially, talk about this a lot. It's like how important like the first like two shots are. Uh, just like you don't want to start off any game over two. Just mentally, like it it changes your approach to the game a little bit. Obviously, uh, as people on the team that are expected to score and expected to take shots. You don't want to stop shooting, but I think uh, the ball, seeing the ball go in early, um, especially the way Jacob gave me the one more pass, he had confidence in me to take that shot. He could have easily taken it. I don't think anybody would be mad about him taking that shot, but to give, have confidence in me to make that shot and start the game off that way, that really gave me a lot of confidence. So uh, you want to say that every shot means the same, but I think the first one uh, really is, is important. Chris, is that a legitimate explanation for a shooter to say something like that that hey if i'm 0 for 2 you know it's different than if i'm 2 for 2 and i got to go from there sure i mean you know obviously you still it's still important that a guy who's a great shooter takes the shot if he's 0 for 2 or 0 for 4 um but just to me you know to it's so important to take good shots early you know and i think that uh you know i can remember david gonzalez you know that was important now he, he might have thought his first six to eight shots were important to see to gauge where he was that night but we would talk about take a take a layup early you know don't don't shoot a hard shot until you've made a couple of easier shots and that because it feels the same in your mind you know you have you're you're kind of tricking yourself if you can take a you know one where your your toes are on the line you're stepping in or you have a breakaway or you get a back door or something like that just take take one that's a little bit easier early that's not it's not always available to you depending on the first few possessions but take take an easy one early and i think our team has really grown and uh improved in that fashion over the course of the last couple seasons and nick how comforting was it that this was a great example of inside outside basketball that it seemed like grant was getting a touch and he normally does anyway but particularly in a game like this where he's had some success against vcu in the past that he was at least getting that first look before it was you or or gilliard or blake yeah i think uh grants you don't find a big man like that uh that can score at will and then are so willing to pass uh you've seen how he's played the past week and just his whole career and i don't like i said i don't think anybody has a problem with him taking 20 shots a game if he wants to uh, he's probably going to score a lot if he does that, but he trusts us as, uh, as players to take those shots. And anytime the ball goes into a player that's going to be that dominant, the defense is naturally going to suck in. They were sending a little bit more uh, help um, on him this time than did the first time we played. And guys were open and we made shots, and uh, that just got the rhythm going. Grant was the Atlantic 10 Player of the Week this week. Uh, the double-double performance against VCU, 16 points against LaSalle, uh, 15 points, 10 rebounds against VCU. So very deserving and the only honoree as Player of the Week. No co-Player of the Week or anything like that. Grant Golden, the Player of the Week in the Atlantic 10. All right, how about on the defensive side, uh, Nick? That's four straight games now that the defense has just been locked down. Can you talk a little – I don't even want to use the word difference necessarily, but obviously the two games before this four-game stretch were 87 seven-point games, Dayton and VCU, and now in the last four, nobody's hit 60 against the Spiders. That, that's remarkable. Yeah, I think we, we 
our attention to, to that side of the ball has been pretty strong for the whole season and the whole offseason. But uh, obviously, I don't think many teams are holding Dayton under 70 anyway. So obviously, you want to play better on defense uh, that game. But sometimes that might change your numbers a little bit. But um, obviously, the VCU game, we didn't play as well as we wanted to. So we just knew that, uh, and Coach talked about this, uh, we watched a lot of our defensive clips, and we, we knew that we were – we weren't as bad as the numbers were showing. We just had to change a couple more things, whether it was one more effort, one more box out, stuff like that. So they were really focused, and I think we, especially rebounding, that's been really important to us all season. But uh, if a guy takes an open shot and he misses it and you rebound, nobody's going to be like, oh, he's got an open shot. You're going to be like, oh, you guys got the stop. You got the rebound. So that's important to us also. So I just think just the little things, cleaning up that kind of stuff and making sure that our rotations and our effort are good is what's been the key to this. Before we go to break, uh, you guys have made a big deal out of watching those clips. Did you watch them as a team? Was that as the entire team together watching those clips? We did. We watched them. You know, generally we go in uh, two days out and and preview the scout. And uh, the day after the the first VCU game, we went in and wa- watched those clips before we did the scout. And again, it was really we could we we probably showed twenty to twenty five, and there there were fifteen more. I mean, there were really really good possessions of defense and um, just not. And the outcome on these possessions were mostly positive. Uh, but just to say that uh, it's really, really close. You know, and it doesn't always feel that way. Or After a loss, you know, nothing feels really good. Uh, but but just to say that we're really close and if we can continue to just improve a little bit, that, that we could really have something. So, Nick, take me through what you guys were thinking when you sit down to watch these clips and the coaches get set to flip the machine on. Do you think you're getting ready to watch bad defensive clips? I mean, what was kind of running through your mind? And now all of a sudden, here are the coaches showing you good offense, good defensive clips, even after high-scoring games by the opponent. Uh, I know me personally. I never really know what to expect when the <laughs> when the when the, when the monitor goes on. And it's our highlights. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute! You've been around this program long enough. You should know what's um, coming. No, I'll say this. I think that oh, I talked to my friends that go to other schools and stuff and they'll talk about how film sessions just suck and like how everything is just awful so i think since i've gotten near coach and the staff they've done a good job of not making it a miserable experience but after two losses i think when it's like oh it's defensive highlights you're just gonna be like man we're just gonna be getting dunked on and scored on and it's gonna be terrible you're just like this is a secret but you're just looking forward to when you're on the bench so like you're not on the on that specific highlight but uh, to see to see that was comforting to know they they still have confidence in us and they still believe that we can be that we could be a good defensive team and I think that kind of changed the mood of how we were looking at the next um, the next couple of games because obviously after two tough losses the the morale can be a little bit more down than usual so just to see that I think really changed uh, our outlook for the rest of the season. So was there a little bit of a psychological edge in doing this? Maybe unintended psychological advantage yeah. to doing that, Chris? Well, may- maybe. I know we also knew, you know, a lot of it was ball screen um, mm-hmm. defense, and we knew GW is really, uh, like many teams are, very ball screen heavy. And so uh, they're pr- they have some pretty clever ways that they, that they op- you know, their ball screen on who the guy they're throwing the ball back to, you know, kind of after you go off the ball screen and throw it back the direction where you came from. They have some interesting ways and clever ways of make, mixing those guys up. And so it was going into that, uh, but it really it was more just we watched those two games. And, and Dayton is really hard to guard. I mean, really, really hard to guard. Um, and, and Obi Toppin presents his own unique set of problems to defend. But there were really good possessions, and it was just more to say, like, hey, look, we're, we're, we're right there. 
let's just clean up a couple of things a little bit better, and, and we, when we'll, we'll, we'll be doing very well. And it worked. All right, let's take a break. We're right at the top of the hour. More with Nick Sherrod and Coach Moody coming up. Spider Talk from Glory Days right here on 99.5, 1027 FM, 950 AM, ESPN. Do you suspect that a woman could be pregnant with your child right now? If you aren't married to the child's mother, your rights as a father could be at risk. By registering with the Virginia Birth Father Registry before or within 10 days of your child's birth, you can help prevent your future child from being adopted without your knowledge. Or you can explore options to co-parent or assume sole custody. For more information, visit VABirthFatherRegistry.com. That's VABirthFatherRegistry.com. Spider fans, don't miss the final Saturday game of the season at the Robin Center when your Richmond Spiders take on UMass on Saturday, February 29th. Tip off at 6 p.m. Come early for the last Spider Brews event of the season with packages including your game ticket and pre-game craft beer tasting with five local breweries and restaurants. It's also the final Buffalo Wild Wings Spiderlings Kids Club game with post-game player autographs for all members. For hoops and hops, call 1-877-SPIDER-1 or visit richmondspiders.com. This is Dan Levitard. Catch me and Stugatz every weekday from 10 to 1, now on your FM dial at 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Let's get back to Glory Days Grill and the Glen Eagle Shopping Center for more of Spider Talk. Once again, here's Bob Black with Coach Chris Mooney, live on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN and the Spider Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Now, Gilliard. Fakes the handoff, takes it all the way to the basket and lays it in. And the Spiders have their biggest lead of the game. Right at the top of the hour, so about a half hour to go on Spider Talk with Coach Chris Moody. Nick Sherrod is our special player guest tonight. Spiders back in action Wednesday night. George Mason at the Robin Center, 7 o'clock. Our coverage on the radio starts at 6.30. We've also got television on NBC Sports Washington Plus that starts at 7 o'clock. Richmond and George Mason uh, Wednesday at the Robin Center. All right, uh, Nick, the story is well documented. You've told it an awful lot leading up, I think, probably to every VCU game that you've participated in, and even the ones you didn't participate in last year, people probably asked you about it, that growing up you were actually a VCU fan. There's certainly reason for that. Your granddad, one of the all-time great players at VCU. What was uh, the family conversation like leading up to the game and then after the game? Uh, I think... Like, my granddad, he never really has talked to me about how, like, his, in terms of what he felt about Richmond or anything like that since I've been there. I think he's been super supportive. I think uh, a lot of people expect it to be really awkward and stuff like that, but that's just not how we are as a family or anything like that. Even when we go down to ODU, uh, it's never any problem or anything like that. Like, I think they just want me to do well and Richmond to do well because I'm there and I'm maybe maybe in some conversations down the line after I'm done, maybe it'll be a little bit different. But for right now, uh, it's been pretty tame. Uh, Chris, you've got a few guys on this team that do have bloodlines uh, basketball-related. Do you sense a, a difference sometimes with some of those guys and the, the family members that they're around and some of the conversations they can have, even if it's just general basketball or maybe a little bit of coaching, not trying to take anything yeah. away from what you and, and your staff does? No, I think that um – I think you can always tell uh, when when the um, you know when the parents uh, have been involved in basketball, either really good players or coaches. Um, you know, number one, they've been the players have usually been like around the game more mm-hmm. and have you know kind of these intangibles and and, and greater sense. Um, but also the way there's a certain basketball, usually the basketball dialogue is a lot of 
you know, kind of ins- good-natured insults back and forth and those kinds of things. Uh, so I think, um, yeah, I think you can definitely tell, and it's, I think it's always a positive, um, you know, to have grown up and being at games, going to games, talking about games. It just, it kind of just seeps into your, uh, into who you are a little bit more, and um, I, th- I think it probably really benefits a, a player, especially when you get to this level. I thought some of your basketball acumen or whatever nick has come out um actually before the first dayton vcu games i think somebody asked you about looking ahead at that point to dayton and vcu when we still had uh, mason i think in LaSalle to go and, and your comment was look we're not we're not blind to the schedule we, we can read the schedule we can be excited for those games but that doesn't mean we're looking past the games before those and I think that may have happened again in fact I know it happened again in this case did it not where the games leading up to VCU this time were really important prep games to get you to where you were Saturday yeah I think that anytime when people are asked about uh, like are they looking ahead to a games I think like obviously like like you said we know what the schedule is we know who's on the schedule when the schedule comes out at the beginning of the year uh, we knew hey we have Wisconsin at Barclays that's gonna be a lot of fun hey VCU's this day this everybody has a certain game that they're looking forward to but I think as the team gets older, they know that every game is important. Uh, we're 9-3 and three in the nine wins. Nobody knows what the nine wins are. It's not like that one win counted for two or anything like that. So I think that every game is important, and we said at the beginning of the year we wanted to play really important games in February and March, and we put ourselves in position to do so because we try to treat every game uh, as the most important game on that day. And, again, you don't get many crowds like you get for a VCU game, but Mason's, Mason's just as important if we lose that game then. Maybe the VCU game doesn't matter as much. So I think every game is important, and I think that obviously we're excited for the big ones, but no matter what it is, no matter if it's at LaSalle or you know at Rhode Island, it's all the same. Yeah, uh, let's put that in reverse then. Now, you can look at the schedule, and you can look at the results, and you certainly know what happened Saturday. But now how do you put that into action to make sure with an experienced team that you guys show up as razor sharp and as focused Wednesday night against George Mason as, as any other game? Yeah, I think that uh, we all watched, or at least we were aware of what happened when Mason played at VCU. So we know they're talented. Obviously, they gave us some problems when we went up there. Um, I think we've all lost a couple of games in our career at Mason, so it's not like that's a game that's not important. Um, we know what the standings are. We know how important that is. We want to be playing on Friday as our first game and not as our second second game. So I think that uh, as the season goes on, like I said, we want to play important games. And even though people may not see Mason as a tough opponent, we know how tough they are. They have good players. They have good coaching. It's a good good program, so we're excited for it. Um, none of us wanted to go through the past couple of years and the losses, but does even that help you a little bit now that this team is hungry, this team remembers where it once was, the lean times, and not to take for granted these good times? Yeah, I think it's funny. We, we talked, me and Grant talked to Tyler uh, the, pretty recently. We were like, you don't know what it's like. Like, you don't know what it's like to walk around campus and nobody know, knows what the score of the game was or – you have a big game and you're going to walk to the dining hall and nobody cares. Everybody's looking at you like, man, I can't believe you lost that game when we were all there. So, like, uh, I think uh, it's cool that we're able to be in this position, but I think that, you know, we talk all the time about what happened the past two years uh, because you, we don't get here if we don't have that, I think, to an extent. I think that, you know, the times we went through makes this time more special. I think that just appreciating, appreciating where we are, like we're 19-6, and six, like that's pretty crazy compared to where we've been. So I think that... Um, we're, we're obviously very focused on what's ahead, but looking back, it's just like really exciting to be where we are because we know that at this time of the year, the past couple of years, it hasn't been that fun. Chris, does that help you as the coach alleviate whatever concern or fear you might have about what you already told us not to mention, which was the T-word, trap, 
game yeah. on Wednesday night? Well, you know, it, it's fun. I don't really think I have brought it up too much um, to the guys. You know, just what Nick has kind of encapsulated there. I don't think I brought it up too much, mainly because I think we've been we've had a pretty consistent level of effort. Um, you know, and there's there's been really good competitiveness um, in in practice, in the games, and you know, in, in everything we're doing. There's been good concentration and competitiveness. So, I haven't really, I don't, I haven't felt the need to bring it up. I think it's implied to a certain extent. And you know, again, a lot of if you looked at the games last year, I think Jason had a stat. You know, of we were ahead and you know um, with five minutes to go and you know x amount of games. And so it wasn't like uh, we were out there and just ever really getting blown out you know we had we had a shot to <clears throat> tie the vcu game we had a shot to tie the st louis game in the conference tournament you know so it was more we, we were really 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 close um and so i think that that has you know helped just uh instill a hunger that we have and, and a real uh, a great desire to do really really well and to not let up jason says the number was 20 20. By the way, yes, he just gave me the hand signs over there. Number there was go. 20 yeah, yeah. <laughs> last year. And the number's really good, uh, leading with five minutes to go this year, in fact. So yeah. <laughs> certainly have turned the page on that one as well. Hey, Nick, you, you alluded to uh, you know walking around campus, and, and people now know who you are and what you've done and are, and are proud of that. Has this stretch here and the VCU game kind of helped galvanize this campus a little bit? You obviously were, were asked about the, uh, the, the social unrest that was on campus a few weeks ago. Is, has what this basketball team done, and I don't want to get too deep into this, I, I mean, obviously 19-6 and six is really good, as you said, but has, has it at all made an impact and, and helped galvanize the campus a little bit? Yeah, I think uh, probably just by the students' point of in the game, I think that that's really cool to see. I think that, you know, People are proud of us and proud of what we're doing, and I think we play a pretty exciting style. So it's fun to come watch us play, and we talk about it all the time. The student support this year has been really awesome. Uh, there hasn't been many games where there hasn't been, you know, anybody there, and I think that, you know, anytime we can do anything to help the campus, we want to do it, and obviously winning games does that, so we're going to try to keep doing it. Great way to end it up. Go get something to eat, Nick. Thanks for being our guest tonight on Spider Talk. Nick Sherrod. Spiders leading score, game high honor, 23 points in the win over VCU. Our guest tonight, let's take a timeout. we got some questions from the audience and some emails and texts. We'll get to that for Coach Mooney coming up after the break. You're listening to Spider Talk on 99.5-1027 FM, 9.50 AM, ESPN. Three used car questions. How long will I be stuck in this dealership? Do they even have the color I want? Why is this taking so long? What day is it even? Okay, so that was four questions. Questions you never have to ask at CarMax, because in select markets, CarMax will deliver the car you want, right to your door, right on your schedule. So you won't have to blow your weekend at a dealership, and you'll be on to your last question before you know it. Are we done here? Cool. Cool. Because that's the way car shopping, buying, and delivering should be. CarMax. You know their names. You know their uniform numbers. You probably even know their stats. Now get to know them. Richmond student-athletes tell their remarkable stories in their own words. It's Spider Voices. Check it out at richmondspiders.com and on Spider's social media. Spider fans, don't miss the final Saturday game of the season at the Robin Center when your Richmond Spiders take on UMass on Saturday, February 29th. Tip off at 6 p.m. Come early for the last Spider Brews event of the season with packages including your game ticket and pre-game craft beer tasting with five local breweries and restaurants. It's also the final Buffalo Wild Wings Spiderlings Kids Club game with post-game player autographs for all members. For hoops and hops, call 1-877-SPIDER-1 or visit richmondspiders.com. 
WXGI Richmond, WTPS Petersburg, 99.5 and 102.7 ESPN. Welcome back to Spider Talk with Richmond basketball coach Chris Mooney. We're live at Glory Days Grill in the Glen Eagle Shopping Center and broadcasting live on 99.5 and 102.7 ESPN. It is the Spider Talk with head coach Chris Mooney. We are live at Glory Days Grill, which Richmond's West End, Glen Eagle Shopping Center. Again, appreciate everybody out here tonight. We have real it's been great every week, but even more so tonight. And a lot of folks, early arrivals tonight. Great to see so many people in here before even Mitchell or I got here. Uh, so we do appreciate it. Hope you'll come back uh, in the ensuing weeks. We're here each Monday night throughout the remainder of the college basketball season. All right, let's get some uh, fan questions and whatnot for Coach Mooney and a couple other off maybe topics away from VCU a little bit, but uh, this is kind of what we were just talking about, Chris, kind of relates to everything about the, the even keel and the same level you've been on all year. How is the team dealing with the pressure not to avoid upsets? Spiders are squarely on the bubble and must be aware that a loss to the likes of a Mason would really hurt the chances. Seems like on any given night, any team can lose, see the top 20, is it as simple as taking it one game at a time? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it basically is. We, we talked to the guys a few weeks ago about, uh, you know, being on the bubble is, is it's really, um, you know, the more, the more you pay attention to it, like my son Danny, the more it will drive you crazy. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you have, you have everybody's bracketology and, and then to explain the bracketology, they, I remember in um, 2011 we had beaten Purdue, who was like sixth or eighth in the country or something. And then by the end of the year, it was like, well, the, the, the Purdue game was two months ago. You know, it's just like, well, we, that's when we they were scheduled <laughs> they were to play. Schedule, like, right? And so I think the, their writers, as intelligent as they are, you know, they, they just, they're writing this every day. And it's changing every day. And then because they made predictions that didn't come true, they... They might hammer another school, and so the more you pay attention to it, it, it just it's it's disheartening, and it's it's difficult to it's difficult to concentrate. And um, you know, the NCAA does not send out a thing that if you win X amount of games, you're in. You know, the only thing that you're sure of if you win the conference tournament, you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else is just totally. Um, it's a committee of ten people, and and you know, our road wins important to those. All of those ten people, five of those ten people, um, you know the strength of schedule. You know maybe you've scheduled, you played a team early. You know Vanderbilt has a has a, a first round draft pick who hasn't played in conference games. And but the more you start to worry about it and try to justify it, it, it it's it's very very difficult. So you just have to play the game. And I, you know that's why to me, what's more important is you know your regular season how, how are you what you what, where are you in the standings do you have a shot to win the title uh rivalry game like vcu are you taking care of home court can you compete on the road all these kind of more traditional things though those are things a little bit more within your control and um you know to follow the you know this the net ranking and the bpi and the old rp you know it's just it's it's fruitless and it's also you can't control where where the other where the other teams are or what they did last night. I mean, it's just uh, – its I'm sure it's fun as a fan. I was just going to say, I'm <laughs> sure not going to lie, Coach. Fan. It's still a lot of fun. It's even more fun to be in that conversation yeah. again. So I'm and not I, lying about that. Right, and I understand that. It's just, um, 
You know, and, and it's just difficult. I've I, I mentioned to the guys, you know, Evansville beat Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have one win in their conference. I think they're 0-12 in the Missouri Valley Conference. And so things happen in college basketball that are that are unique and unusual. Stephen F. Austin beat Duke. Um, North Carolina is not great this year. So things happen. You just have to prepare and play the games. And I think like it's harder and harder because of the noise now. Um, and you know because they're at their phone and i'm sure there there are tweets about it beyond you know the things even i know so uh, you just have to try to concentrate and just try to keep it as simple as possible yep it is certainly fun but certainly understand it from inside that locker room perspective as well and and to my point earlier i mean the guys took care of business that's a phrase we've used a lot take care of business particularly in the games leading up to the so-called marquee games those games are easy yeah. to play and get up for dayton vcu home or away it's those other games and i've said this to you a lot yeah. it's those nondescript road wins that to me are the most gratifying uh, you know they're not the most spectacular they're yeah. not the sexiest wins of the year but to me LaSalle, fordham you yeah. know those are the gritty kind of wins that that you need no i agree and, and I, i'm i'm with you you know i think that um you know, it's, it's a hard, you know, as the email references, you know, 19 and 6 and just on the bubble. You know, I mean, it's a demanding, it's a really uh, very, very challenging, difficult uh, road to go. And, um, you know, you just have to, the, the only thing you can really do is worry about yourself and having a good practice tomorrow and, and mm-hmm. playing well Wednesday. All right, uh, a little bit of a strategy personnel question. Uh, you had Sal Caressi as the first player off of the bench and then didn't really play much the rest of the game. How do you try to develop him moving along? And uh, obviously VCU plays 12 guys he, he referenced in there, and, and yet you know Sal was first off of the bench but then didn't see much more time. Yeah, um, I, I just thought uh, you know we've been alternating Sal and um, Matt Grace to, to sub in for Grant, and Sal also sometimes sees some time at forward. Um, and I, I, when Sal went in, uh, he had a turnover, and the next time there was a chance to sub Grant out, we put Matt Grace in, and I thought Matt played really well. Really well. And yep. so I think Grant probably played a couple more minutes than usual, maybe 30 minutes. Um, so so after that, we, we, we kind of went with Matt, and so uh, that, that's kind of the, the most simple explanation. I'm sure you've heard this question a lot. I got it a lot again here tonight. Uh, how do you get Tyler Burton more minutes? Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, very important. Uh, that's very important. Well, he, he just we just have to put him in now. He, he's you know he played twelve minutes um, in, in Saturday's it game. It felt like more than that, by the way. It I will Thank say. you, I, Bob. He, you I definitely thought yeah. he played. I just looked at that. It's funny you said that. Yeah. I really thought he played more than twelve minutes. He was so impactful. He's he's terrific, and he, he's going to be a special player. You know, I, I think Nate has played so well. Uh, obviously, Nick has, is, is a great player. Um, so, you know, this is, a good, this is a good issue. This is the most guys we've played consistently, yep. and, and there still needs to be guys that, that need more time. So, uh, but we need to do that because I think Tyler, uh, his, his contributions are they're unique. I mean, he, he has an ability to, to, to get the ball. He's athletic. He makes plays. Uh, he's going to be a great, great player. And, you know, one thing, you know, like in the Mason game we had watched earlier, he played a lot and 
partly because he played well, partly because Nate had a lot of foul trouble. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but we do need to play Tyler more because he has a tremendous impact on our team. The one play he made in the first half I thought was one of his best of the year, the athleticism and control that he showed. I think he got an offensive rebound and then kind of had to tip the ball to himself yeah. and get between a couple guys, went from his right hand to his left hand, and as a right-handed guy, finished with his yeah. left hand. Yeah, really impressive. And he had the spin along the baseline. Grant threw it to him uh, out of the double team, which was a – a difficult catch and a tremendous finish uh, in traffic along the baseline. Yeah, he, he's he, he's a great player. I mean, he, or he's going to be a great player. There's 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 really no doubt about it. So, I need to see him get some more. You know, Nick and I, I think look at him and just really really envy that athleticism <laughs> <laughs> because that would be nice. That'd be a nice uh, that'd be a nice weapon to have. Absolutely. All right, let me take one more break. We'll come back. Got a couple questions again, a little bit away from the strategy and, and the VCU game that I want to get to, and time to take a few more if you've got them. Take you to the bottom of the hour. Spider Talk with head coach Chris Moody. Coming back to Glory Days Grill on the Spider Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Visit Glory Days Grill on the West End at Glen Eagles Shopping Center or on the South Side at Harborside Loop. Monday features a $5.99 burger night. Enjoy two tacos on Tuesday for $5.99. Come in for Rib Wednesday at $10.99. Nacho Thursday is a half order of nachos for $5.99. And don't forget Fish Fry Friday at $9.99. Glen Eagles is also featuring the men's basketball spider sports line with head coach Chris Mooney and player guests Mondays at 5.30 during the season. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. For all things spiders, whether you're online, on your phone, or just on the go, it's richmondspiders.com. Scores, stats, standings, it's richmondspiders.com. Video highlights, audio play-by-play, and online ticketing for football and men's basketball, it's richmondspiders.com. Plus, exclusive content you won't get anywhere else, like the Spider Insight Podcast, Spider Voices, and game day info for Robin Stadium and the Robin Center. It's your home for your favorite team. It's richmondspiders.com. Spider fans, don't miss the final Saturday game of the season at the Robin Center when your Richmond Spiders take on UMass on Saturday, February 29th. Tip off at 6 p.m. Come early for the last Spider Brews event of the season with packages including your game ticket and pre-game craft beer tasting with five local breweries and restaurants. It's also the final Buffalo Wild Wings Spiderlings Kids Club game with post-game player autographs for all members. For hoops and hops, call 1-877-SPIDER-1 or visit richmondspiders.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at ESPN Richmond. Keeping you up to date 24-7. We are 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. This is Spider Talk with head basketball coach Chris Mooney. Live from Glory Days Grill in the Glen Eagle Shopping Center on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Spiders and George Mason, Wednesday night at the Robin Center, 7 o'clock. Our airtime here on ESPN Richmond is at 6.30. We're on NBC Sports Washington Plus at 7 o'clock as well. All right, let me go uh, to the text line. Our good friend Ivan still likes to chime in each and every week, Chris, and this has absolutely nothing to do with the VCU game or this season. It's the last thing on your mind. I qualify it by saying that. But I will say down the road, I think it's conversationalist and maybe in the summertime. Will the Spiders ever play William and Mary or VMI again in basketball? Well, I'm I'm sure, yes. Ever, uh, yes. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just reading the question yeah, the way you wrote it. <laughs> gotcha. uh, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll play them. Uh, I, I think there are discussions about, about um, a series with William and Mary. Um, you know, uh, Tony Shaver and I had, had – uh, developed a, a good friendship um, 
and we played for I'd say most of the time he was there and then hadn't the last couple of years so that series hadn't been going but not because we weren't trying to play uh, and then VMI yeah I, I think that's definitely a possibility you know I think you know the strength of our schedule has often been in the in how good the in-state teams have been um, you know to play Old Dominion uh, James Madison, William and Mary, uh, for most of the years that we've been here, uh, I think those those are great games and and great opportunities for us to play in-state rivals. All right, we'll talk more about that in the months to come, yeah. certainly uh, because it will affect future scheduling, as we mentioned. Hey, is your radar at all on the announcement the ACC made today and kind of joining the Big Ten about uh, being proponents of this one-time transfer where you can play? Right away, and I can. I know you well enough over 15 years. I'm seeing the look in your eye here. But any any thought process on that right now or not? Well, you know, I, I feel like it's inevitable if those two conferences, yeah. you know, support it. I feel like it's inevitable, and and everybody will have to make make the adjustment as it comes. I, I think part part of you know coaches are are coaches are usually. Uh, yeah, I think public sentiment is on the side of the players in right. terms of well, a regular student can transfer and a basketball player should transfer, and I and I understand that. I think, you know, it's not. I don't think the. I think the biggest um, responsibility of the colleges and the coaches, and the athletic department, is not to exploit the players. Mm-hmm. You know that they they if they're in college, they need to be there and 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 working toward their degree. And if they're doing that, uh, then the demands of of playing college basketball. Uh, that seems to to even out. You know, the college has given them a great opportunity. Uh, I think that they're not really being exploited, and I think the changes that have have happened over the course of time have really helped, have been positive. Um, I just, you know, I I don't necessarily, you know, they say that uh, a player has to sit out and the coach doesn't if a coach changes jobs. I can tell you, I know every coach I know would love to sit out if they took another job. <laughs> They'd love to take a year. year sabbatical. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. as long as they had benefits. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I just don't think it's as one-sided as, as necessarily as, as uh, portrayed um, in, in, the, in the public forum. And, and, uh, I don't mean to interrupt no. you, but I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, I'm one of those proponents who says, if you get an extra year in college, yeah. and you're, go ahead and take yeah, it. For it, sure. And I get it. At the highest level, the sure. Big Ten, the ACC, they're looking forward to getting to the yeah. professional level as quickly as possible. Secondly, from our perspective, though, we've talked about this a lot, and I've been here long enough to know this, um, that one year sitting out, benefits a Richmond transfer probably as much as any school in the country uh, no matter who the head coach is because it, it helps you academically and athletically. For sure it, it's, it's a really uh, and I think it had been introduced as a I don't think it was introduced years ago as a as a, a strategic way to even out the playing field I think it was introduced as a chance it's, it's actually called a year in residence which you know talks which kind of speaks to the idea of getting acclimated to your new school right uh, and times change, and, and I understand that. Um, I, I don't. I think the part part of the issue is the accelerated way in which guys are recruited, mm-hmm. which they're, you know, they're they're promised or close to promise something, some very grand, exciting things as a way to lure that student athlete. Most often, guys don't play as well freshman year as they expected mm-hmm. to. But their expectations were probably not shouldn't have been that high, mm-hmm. and they transfer. So it has so, you know, they've spent probably eighteen months being recruited by a particular school, and they have built these relationships, 
And then on a transfer, they probably get recruited for about three weeks to four weeks. And so it doesn't always seem positive. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's um, you know, it's fairly, it's fairly complicated, but it's not all one-sided. And, and, and schools who want there to be a year out aren't anti-student athlete in, in the least. Mm-hmm. I just think in our case, obviously, yeah. we're talk- our undergraduate transfers are stood out that year have absolutely benefited for sure yeah whether it's Blake now or tj klein or or any of them before that all right great week chris Uh, appreciate you being here with us again tonight and that guy over there nick sherrod let's go get ready for george mason wednesday night sounds great thank you thanks everybody for being here please take care of your servers as they weave their way through all our spider fans here tonight really appreciate the large crowd here at glory days mitchell bradley on location thank you matt josephs in our studio bob black sings along for spider talk 6.30 airtime Wednesday from the Robin Center against George Mason right here on 99.5, 950 AM ESPN and the Spiders Sports Network. So long, everyone. been listening to the spider talk with coach chris mooney live from glory days grill in the Glen eagle shopping center 10466 ridgefield parkway tonight's show has been brought to you by carmax virginia birth father registry glory days grill and lux chevrolet join us monday nights from 5 30 to 6 30 throughout the college basketball season for spider talk a live presentation of the spider img sports network and your home of the spiders espn richmond Your personal injury attorneys. 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. WXGI Richmond. WTPS Petersburg. Got a sports opinion you just can't wait to share? Call the ESPN Richmond voicemail anytime. 638-9508. Leave us a message with your thoughts and we'll play them back on Black and Drew. 804-638-9508. When guys take PEDs and get busted for it, they lose games and they lose money. These guys lost nothing. So that's why I am so normally against take vacating something. But you know what? They lost nothing. Give them nothing. And when Rob Manfred will say, well, you know, do you want to set precedent? Yes. Yes. Every now and then you have to set precedent. These guys basically had a scheme. It worked. They won the World Series. Don't give it to them. Hear more from Golick and Wingo tomorrow morning on ESPN Radio. It's time for some straight talk. You know what a full court press is in basketball, right? Full defensive coverage with no holes. Well, that's the kind of coverage you get with Straight Talk Wireless. It runs on America's best networks, same as the big carriers, but just for a lot less. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G, saving you up to half the cost of the big carriers. No contract. Full court coverage, half the cost. Straight Talk Wireless, everything for less. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 
This is the Frost family. They live on a piece of land they call Greener Pasture, and they work on it behind the wheel of a John Deere 1 Series tractor. With its durable construction and features that hook up to dozens of attachments with ease, no job is too tough. The Frells family runs with us because this is more than just land. It's home. Nothing runs like a deer.